0: Hello and welcome to Tea and Educate, a light-hearted, discussion-based podcast made with teachers for teachers. So grab a cuppa, sit back and relax as we delve into a new slice of education chit-chat with every show. In this episode we talk to Lindsay Patience, co-founder of Flexible Teacher Talent and a strong advocate of flexible working within education. I hope you like it. Hi Lindsay, how are you? Hi, yeah, good thank you. So we'll start off with a few questions that will give us an insight into you as a teacher. Why did you decide to become a teacher and what was your key motivation?
1: I did Teach First back in 2006. I studied economics at uni and was interviewing for management consultancy jobs and I wasn't really into it and I was going to sort of second third round interviews and then I saw a Teach First stand at a careers fair and I was chatting to the woman there about it. I said to her oh how much do you have to pay to do this? She's like oh no no we pay you and I was just so impressed when I heard about the Teach First offer. I just assumed that you would have to pay for it and then actually it turned out you'd get a salary. I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to do this. <laughs> I started it thinking that I would just do the two years and I just loved it straight away. Probably after a couple of weeks, there was no chance I was going to do anything else. So that's how I got into teaching. Uh, yeah, sort of tricked me into it through the Teach First route and uh, just have loved it ever since. What has been your proudest moment so far and why? Oh, good question. Um, I think... It's probably getting a book deal. Lucy Rose and I who started Flexible Teach Talent have, you know, been working on it for a few years and we've got a lot to say about it. And people kind of kept saying, oh, you guys should write a book. And we never really see ourselves as experts. So it's kind of an uncomfortable position for us when people say that to us. And then the idea that we did have enough to say to get a book
0: deal kind of confirmed to what people have been saying. So that was quite a proud moment. Brilliant. We'll come back to that later. And what has been the most valuable lesson that you have learned as a teacher? I think just that
1: you can never have enough experience. Like it doesn't matter how long you've been teaching for, there are always new problems and issues and circumstances. never a sort of one-size-fits-all approach to anything, you know, from flexible working right down to, you know, individuals in the classroom.
0: So obviously you started with Teach First. I think what would be beneficial is just to have a little bit of a background into where you went from your first couple of years in teaching to where you are now, and then we'll go into the flexible teacher talent side of things. So do you want to just talk us through, you started with Teach First, how did you progress in your career from there?
1: Yeah, well, we're going a few years back now, actually. Uh, so I, I did the Teach First program two thousand and six um, at school in Eltham, and it was a really, uh, really big comp. It was the kind of school where when people when people asked me which school I'd got on the Teach First program, sort of tutors and things, or people from other cohorts, they would go, "Oof, yeah, that's a tricky one." It really was. So my first day, went to look around. Like I had I had a suit on, I was so ready for my first day, and. The deputy head was given us a tour round and a child like ran up and hit me over the head with a rolled up newspaper <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then ran off. I was so shocked. I was like, oh, what's just happening there? And the deputy head said, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, I won't even be able to catch him because he didn't have his tie on. So I don't know which year group he's in, so I can't even narrow it down. and I sort of realised then on on that tour around the school how tricky it was going to be but I loved that school. I progressed quite quickly, it was a really tough school, People, people kind of didn't stick around so the fact that I'd been there for six years made me quite a long-standing member of staff. So I got quite a few promotions quite early on in my career, started off with head of enterprise and I went from there to a pastoral role. I did a head of year 12 on maternity cover. And then from that was given a role called head of school, which was, we split into mini schools. So, sorry, this all seems very complicated now going back on it. (laughs) But um, the school split off into mini schools. So the lower school was split into three mini schools. So there were three form entry in each of the mini school. And then sixth form was completely separate from that. I went from my sort of head of year role to head head of sixth form, really. That was kind of like a head of sixth form role. It was actually very focused in, in the learning, sort of head of learning role it was called before that. So it was very curriculum based as well as the pastoral side and sort of managing the heads of years so I So I was really quite young when I did that. And then I went from that to an assistant head of comprehensive school in Ealing. Again, really, really big, the sort of nine elementary schools. So the two of the sort of biggest schools you can kind of get as secondary school So I was assistant head there for five, six years again. And then... Yeah, I got pregnant, had a baby and didn't want to work those kind of 7am till 9pm days and more, tried to find something part-time, couldn't find anything. So I started off thinking, oh, maybe I don't want to do assistant head after I've had a child. Maybe I want to go back to something like head of year again or head of sixth form because I I really love those jobs. So I thought maybe I'd be able to find something sort of middle leadership level, part-time, a bit closer to home and just couldn't find anything. There was just nothing. There wasn't even anything to go for was don't look at part-time classroom teacher role again, just nothing, there was nothing at all, it's Like, oh god I didn't have left that job, I've got nothing to go to, I'm gonna have a baby soon and I've got no job to go to, what's gonna happen and found a job at my current school which was three days a week just teaching business and economics and that's how I ended up there. People kept talking to me about how you just sort of didn't see you as someone who was gonna go back to just classroom teaching and you know you're right with this, And I really was, that's what I wanted to do at that point in my life. But the more I thought about it and the more I bumped into people who had been in a similar situation, the more I thought, actually, this isn't right, that there's no choice. It's kind of, it's full-time leadership or nothing that doesn't sit very well with me. So I started investigating it a bit more and bumping into more and more people in the same situation. And to Teach First at that time had something called the Innovation Unit, where you could take them a problem. You just took them a problem in education. Said, so look, I want to do something about this. And they helped you to research the problem, find out about it, look at possible solutions, kind of see what was already out there. And through doing that, I met Lucy Rose, who was concerned about similar issues to me. So she was a bit more focused on women kind of going back into school, not at the level they'd left after maternity, People who had been deputy heads or heads, kind of having children, getting more caring responsibilities and then going back into the classrooms middle leadership or having to drop head of department roles when they went back after maternity. And we decided there was no point in us both looking at these issues separately. So we joined forces and that's really how flexible
0: teacher talent came about. So friends of mine who have started a family and returned to work part time, having stepped down from leadership positions, have spoken about a loss of identity and really torn feelings about work and family life. How do you think flexible working can help those feelings and can it help you have the best of both worlds? It's such a personal thing and and you're kind of at your most
1: vulnerable in some ways at that point. There is a change in your kind of in your priorities and your identity after you have children and and actually after any big change in your life post-COVID I think people are going to feel like that but people with like health problems or people with elderly relatives who they have to care for or Any of these big life changes make you really vulnerable to changes in that identity when you're working. And I've always thought that what's really important about flexibility and how that can help that is having that choice, is having that available as an option. If you do need to work flexibly for a time or you want to work flexibly for a time, that that offer is still available to you. In those situations where people are asked to step down from leadership roles because they want to work flexibly, they're no less good at the job. Sue Plant's a great head teacher, and, and you hear her talk about her staffing and her leadership team and, and about women and them coming back from maternity leave. They don't just lose all, you know, they give birth to a baby. Mm-hmm. They don't give birth to all of their, you know, previous skills and experience and knowledge. Like that doesn't just go out the window because they want to work four days a week or, you know, leave a bit earlier or start a bit later. It's such an important option. You know, some people don't want to work flexibly. Some people dart off thinking they'll do it temporarily and then want to do it forever. You don't always, always know that you want to do it. That with me, I didn't really realise that I would want to work more flexibly once I had children. You know, I worked all hours every day, all day, every day. And then becoming a parent really changed for me what I wanted to do in, in work and kind of my priorities, especially for when they were little. What's really important is just having that choice. I and mean, not everybody wants to work flexibly when they've got young children. Lucy and I both came to it from a situation where we had wanted to work flexibly when our children were young. And I think we sort of assumed at first that when parents wanted to work flexibly, it would be when they had young children. Actually loads of the people that we work with and we help have got older children. You want to be there for the before and after school or during exam years and during times in their sort of teenage years when things are really tricky and you want to be there for them and there are so many different dynamics and situations and family situations single parents who feel they have to be off single parents who feel they can't be off because they've got to work changes in careers of spouses and partners and parents that mean that at sometimes you just may need to or may want to or may not want to work flexibly and I think what's always been important is that that is a choice and that's there people you know we won't get the best people staying in schools if we can't offer them that flexibility at times when they need
0: it why is flexible work in a gap to explore do you think do you think that schools are resistant to flexible working or need more convincing with it absolutely there's an unmet
1: demand for flexible working in schools you know the nfer research all shows that there's this unmet demand uh, where people want to work flexibly in schools and they're they're not being allowed to what i would say is it's got a lot better so it was 2016 when I had my first child and there was honestly nothing. There were no jobs. Even advertised part-time, certainly at leadership level, it kind of wasn't even an option. And um, I think times are changing and it's more possible, but you still do see resistance. As a sector, we're just a bit behind. You know, we're, we're not moving at the same pace as commercial organisations who really see the benefit of flexible working. And, you know, we're talking about benefits for productivity here. And when you look at a school, a benefit for productivity is is improved outcomes for kids. If we don't get on board with that and try and make that happen, we're really missing a trick. There's definitely some resistance. Mostly we see from secondary schools, we see it as timetabling. And we can't possibly do the timetable if we offer this flexibility. And then at primary school, the majority of the worries come from parental expectation and worries about consistency for the students. And then you have other contexts as well. You know, like pupil referral units say you know, special schools will just say no, we can't do this for our kids. This doesn't work for our like type of kids. Maybe it doesn't, but I think it's worth exploring it because if you can keep really great people and attract really great people into those contexts, the benefit for the children there's just going to be huge. So if there is a way that it can work, it's definitely something that should be explored rather than just this barrier that goes up that says no way, it just doesn't work here.
0: Yeah, and from that retention point of view, your website highlights how more than 6,000 women aged 30 to 39 leave teaching each year, with this category accounting for over a quarter of those leaving the profession as a whole. How much does the lack of flexible work and opportunities contribute to this, do you think?
1: It's a big factor. So the maternity teacher, paternity teacher research that Emma Shepherd's done around this, she's interviewed a really large sample of new parents. And that balance between your work and your life and the potential need for flexible work is a huge factor uh, in why people don't stay and don't return to teaching after they've had children. You know, on a personal level, it's made me leave the state sector. I couldn't find a state sector role. You know, I was teach first, it was sort of bred into me that I had to, I had to address the educational disadvantage and I've ended up working in the independent sector because that's where I could find a job and so I am on those statistics, I'm one of those women who left teaching between thirty and 39 because I couldn't get flexible working so I see it from the research and all the data and all the evidence but I also see it from a really personal point of view, you know, I couldn't find what I needed in a state school. It really upset me to have to move out of the state sector, but at that time in my life, that was all that was available to me, and you, you know, get to a point where
0: you just have to prioritize your family. You've already spoken about family being a huge contributing factor to the need for flexible working, whether that's new mums or whether it's at different stages of children's lives. What other factors contribute to needing flexible working or wanting flexible working? And as flexible teacher talent, do you work with men and women from a range of age ranges or is it mostly women who are mums? Yeah, I, I mean, it's huge. The number of reasons that you could be looking for flexible work. When we started out, we
1: were very much from the point of view, you know, helping. Mums and parents and new mums, as I said earlier, but it's parents of all age children and it's both genders. And actually the more we see flexible working for men as well as women, the better the impact on the gender pay gap. So one of the reasons that the gender pay gap exists is because it tends to be women who do the, the caring responsibilities, it tends to be women who request part-time. Part-time obviously is paid less than full-time, but it also becomes harder to reach those more senior levels of the organization when you're working part-time, especially in a sector like education, where lots of schools schools still find it difficult to have people in leadership roles working flexibly but we just saw all of these are the reasons that we kind of hadn't realized were going to be so important people who want to work on other projects and like entrepreneurial work that they're doing and the benefit that those people bring to schools You know, we've got an artist at school who he works on his own projects on his non-school days. The value that he brings to the school as an art teacher that we wouldn't be able to have if we didn't employ him flexibly. It's such an obvious example for me of someone who's just amazing to have in the classroom. Because he's able to work flexibly, he's able to do that other work outside. It makes him a better teacher and it it brings something extra to the school that you wouldn't have if you would only recruit full-time members of staff. The reasons wanting to work flexibly are just huge. You know, time-wise I've done this study that say, you know, millennials are nearly all looking for more flexibility and kind of portfolio careers and that idea that we're trying to attract these people, you know, we want the best graduates to come work in schools and in the education sector and not go and work for big corporations. Then we have to offer them something. We have to offer them that flexibility that they're looking for and kind of be prepared to consider it because otherwise if they want these portfolio careers, they want to work for a short time different industries in a different way or work two jobs at the same time or do something entrepreneurial with a couple of days of their week then we can't offer them any chance to be in school and do that at the same time but there are just so many other other factors you know people caring for elderly relatives and the toll that that takes on people people nearing retirement age and that increase that sort of constant it seems increasing their retirement age so people are having to work until they're much older and I think we all can see how how tiring and how much teaching takes out of you Um, if you're able to sort of have a gradual retirement and leave a school sort of slowly and on your own terms it's much better for you as an individual to not have that sort of cliff edge where you you go from working full-time to nothing and it's also just so much better for the school in terms of not losing all of your experience and your skill in one go if you think about a head teacher five days a week to no days a week versus a head teacher who goes part-time to support a new head coming in and, and you know the succession planning and the sharing of experience and best practice that can take place when that happens, there are just so many reasons why you might benefit as a school and so many individual reasons why people want
0: to do it, health reasons, physical and mental really just a stack of opportunities aren't there for flexible working what can people or schools come to you for what can flexible teacher talent offer and is it that you're working with individuals and schools or is it more just individuals yeah, no,
1: we do both. Um, we talk about it as the chicken and egg scenario. When we started, the idea was that we would help individuals. We would kind of help people like us who were looking for flexibility that couldn't find it. But we realised really, really quite soon into our sort of journey as an organisation that we weren't going to be able to help those people effectively if we weren't helping organisations. So we work with schools and that's to improve their flexible working offer to kind of help them work out what their staff want and need and and how they can manage that and introduce it. We also do work with the Department for Education and we've helped advise them on their flexible working strategy what we need to sort of aim to do is to change the structure and the culture of flexible working in a sector. because so that just promotes more opportunities for people to work in that way. And so therefore we're helping individuals by helping schools, but also just the other way around as well, the, the total chicken and egg scenario, you know, until we get people in schools working flexibly, it's hard to show schools that it works. That's why quite a lot of our work is around case studies and sharing with schools and with individuals how certain things can work if an individual has had a knockback from a flexible working request we find examples of other people in similar school contexts who've done that and we talk to those schools and share those stories so when people come to us asking for help we're not just saying well in your circumstance you could do this within a similar circumstance where someone's been in this position this is how they've done it because headteachers if they've never done any flexible working before it's very easy to see it as this huge risk. And actually, maybe it is risky when you've not done it before. And, you, you know, in a context where you're very worried about cost and you're very worried about staffing. Yes, I can absolutely see where head teachers think, oh, no, this is too scary. Can't do it. But actually, if you give it a try and it works, the benefits are just so wide ranging. I just feel like it's a no brainer to give it a go. And that's really what our work is, is to try and share that with, with organisations and to help individuals to get their job.
0: And is that what your book is about? Is your book about sharing case studies? Yeah,
1: well, we're kind of seeing it as a, a sort of how-to guide, so a sort of manual for head teachers and school leaders on how to how flexible working can work in different contexts, samples of where it's worked, how it's been set up, kind of the legal issues around it. So the idea is that it's a kind of go-to manual for head teachers and senior leaders considering flexible working. But we're also hoping it will help people who are looking to work flexibly or to work more successfully flexibly, to knowing what to say in flexible working requests, to knowing how to negotiate around barriers and think about alternatives for the way that things could work to help them as well as individuals.
0: So if we turn our attention to recent events in the global pandemic there are now hundreds if not thousands of companies in the UK alone that are currently reviewing their work and arrangements following the shift that has been caused by lockdown. From conversations I've had with friends in other industries it seems like a number of them are now more likely to be working from home on a more regular basis with some even having this as their main or potentially only way of working. As teachers obviously the best learning is with us in the classroom how do you think the coronavirus pandemic is going to impact our way of working? And do you think the pandemic is paving the way for flexible working to be better embedded within schools? In many ways, it's shown we can work flexibly. And it's shown all these technologies
1: available to help us to help schools think about how they communicate, what kind of meetings they have to have face to face, and alternative ways it can be done. And it's just really shown that things that you think are impossible, not like impossible. I think it opens up a load of opportunities and different ways of doing things. So we've had people refused part-time requests because their day off would end up being on a Tuesday and that's where they have the department meeting. Well, there's no reason why they can't electronically join into that team meeting. And absolutely, there are times when we need to be in and in front of the kids. We're not asking to work completely remotely. People are asking to leave school at half three or they're asking to have two afternoons off a week. Hopefully there have been lots of lessons learned about flexible working from this crazy scenario that we'll be able to take away going forward.
0: And I I hope really the biggest one is just that people will consider it. And for those teachers that have been able to explore perhaps other hobbies and interests during lockdown, do you think that's going to increase the interest in flexible working? I think so. We talk about the new normal, kind of not going back to how things
1: were and and taking the good bits forward. And I think lots of people will have found new interests and passions and just a different pace of life and way of working that will increase the the desire to work flexibly. And you know, how much better are those people going to be? How much happier, more productive are they going to be as teachers? I find it frustrating sometimes that people can't see the benefits of that. You know, having someone who's doing something that they love two days a week and then doing something else that they love the three days that they're in school is just so much better than not having those people at all. The exposure for the children to these different things. Their teachers aren't just teachers. That's a a real opportunity for them to see all the things that are out there for when they are adults themselves
0: yeah absolutely i think one of the reasons i guess behind my podcast as well is helping teachers to be seen as humans we all have our own stories and journeys to tell but quite often as teachers we're put in a box we're not real people are we quite often Mm -hmm. to students as well Mm -hmm. they we're miss or Mister, and that's it when they see you in the supermarket and they're like oh what are you doing
1: here you know why are you not at your
0: desk still (laughs) why have you left the (laughs)
1: site I just think in terms of sort of diversity and role models and seeing what opportunities are out there for work, if you only have people in your school who can and want to and are able to work all day, every day, then you just really limit the exposure of the kids to different people. I think that does send a message to children really early on. First of all, it's more likely to be a man who's in charge here. And also, you know, once you have kids, your career needs to be put aside unless you can work full time. I just think it's so important that we change that. That message and that we change that for children in terms of role modelling. Lucy and I have always thought about it for our own children like not wanting our own children to grow up seeing that there's only one way to work but I think for all the children in schools as well if, if you see just one type of full-time career teacher that's not the only type of teacher that's out there and that might be the only opportunity they get to see adults of different interests and ways of working so I think it's really important.
0: And as you said earlier, when, once you have a baby, you don't suddenly lose all of your skills and experience. And a school would be silly not to harness those skills and that experience to their benefit. So they're losing yeah. out, really, if they're not looking to optimise what you have to offer. You don't lose
1: all of that experience and knowledge and skill because there are circumstances in your life that mean you, you want to or need to work flexibly. You know, you said it before, it comes down to treating people as humans we are people with lives and circumstances and there will be times there may be times in your life when you want to or need to work flexibly and if schools can't accommodate that they just lose these people and that's just such a shame yeah absolutely
0: so what do you think the future looks like for the profession in terms of flexible working Oh, it's definitely moving forward. So, it do,
1: even in the four years that we've been doing Flexible Teach Town, four or five years that we've been doing it, it changed so much. Like the landscape is so much better. We've seen Labour like co headship and all these great organisations like Return to Teach and Shared Headship Network. And schools are getting it. There are examples now of schools where it's working and it's working well. I think we're still quite early days. I think having kind of evidence that it works. <laughs> you know, they, they want to have seen it work for a bit longer before they're willing to take that risk themselves. We're just getting more and more evidence of the need for it and how to work it and sort of support available to, to help you to do it advice and case studies and you know organizations like flexible teacher talent who can help you to implement it if you need to it's a big part of the dfe's retention and recruitment policy flexible working idea you know they they have got teams working on it all the time to try and support schools and
0: hopefully that will just keep reaping rewards and we'll see it more and more across the sector right plug time how can people get in touch with you for support from flexible teacher talent
1: our website is www.flexibleteachertalent.co.uk and our email address is flexibleteachertalent at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Flex Teach Talent and i'm mumsy me on twitter quite active on there if anyone wants to just send me a message and lucy is loose association we're available to help individuals we do that for free if you're looking for flexible working uh, or you want some advice about making a request or you've had a request turned down and you want to know what you can do about it just get in touch with us and we, we help you for no charge If you're a school, we charge to subsidise that work so we can help schools to introduce flexible working, review the offer that they've got, look at their policies, or help them on individual cases if that's what they want. But um, we've, we've got a full menu available on the website if people want
0: to look at that brilliant and what's your book called and when's it when's it going to be available this is an exclusive actually and we've not really spoken <gasps> to anyone else this is exciting show, this is <laughs> exciting news
1: um it's called flex education oh its full title is something like flex education a guide to flexible working in schools and it will be out next spring or summer
0: hopefully all being well Finally, my favourite question, if you were
1: a cake, what would you be and why? So I've been thinking a lot about this and I think I'm going to go with banana bread. Bear with me. So a bit like flexible working, lots of people have been having to make it over the lockdown period, possibly without the right ingredients and (laughs) making the best of it. But actually, a really good banana cake, you know, you can't really beat it, can you? And you have to use up your old bananas. You might have to make it because you've got leftover bananas. Well, you see where I'm going here? We might be forced into doing it uh, and actually turns out great. That was almost poetic. I've spent a lot of time thinking about it.
0: <laughs> love it. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay. That was really interesting. I think it'll be really useful for a lot of people that are trying to consider how they can continue with a job that they love, but how they can make it work for them. Exactly.
1: Thanks for talking to me.
0: Thank you, Lindsay. So great to talk to you. And thank you everyone for listening. If you like what you hear, please follow us on Twitter and your chosen podcast platform, leave us a review and share us far and wide. I'll be back soon for another slice of tea and educate.